This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm joined by David McFarland, who is the founder and CEO at Coterie Insurance. Coterie are a small business insurtech based in the United States, and it's a pleasure to welcome David uh, in Cincinnati today. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks, Nick. Good to be here. David, great to have you on the show. Really looking forward to, to hearing more about the business and uh, some of the great things going on there. Before we do that, would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit more about your personal background and what led to you starting the company? Yeah, for sure. I uh, I like to say I'm a recovering actuary. Uh, if, if you've had to deal with actuaries, you'll, you'll know why I say recovering. I, I started off down at the National Council on Compensation Insurance, which is a company in, in Boca Raton, Florida, that takes in like all the workers' comp data for like 40 to 50 states. Got to do some fun stuff there. It, it was really there that the idea of starting an insurance company came about, primarily because workers' comp, you basically need to know like what people are doing and how much they're getting paid. And I thought, being an idealistic youth, that we could tap into HR systems, payroll systems, all that to automate the process. Mm -hmm. And that led to a, a further idea of just exposures, classifications, all this information in general could be taken from systems that businesses run on to make the entire insurance process much easier, not just workers' comp. And the, the general thought at the time was uh, it couldn't be done because the technology was too hard and they didn't want to disintermediate. Uh, in other words, they didn't want to you know, cut out the, the intermediaries, the agents, mm -hmm. the brokers were there. Mm -hmm. And I, I had a fundamental difference of opinion. I thought, one, we could actually build the technology, although probably wouldn't be what the legacy players have today. Uh, they have a lot of limitations just because of how the system has evolved. It's not because they're stupid or anything like that. And then the second thing is, is I wanted to do it to empower the intermediaries rather than disintermediate. And that was the idea. Uh, I, I then got recruited, but well, I, I went into actuarial consulting and figured out a lot of stuff uh, with commercial insurance and whatnot, and then got recruited to a jewelry insurance firm that was doing some of the first embedded insurance mm -hmm. in the jewelry space. We were basically attaching insurance to the shopping carts of online jewelry stores like Blue Nile, Brian Gavin, stuff like that. It was really, really cool. And we did that with just absolutely terrible technology. Uh, <laughs> but the, I mean, still people loved it because they were getting a $20,000 engagement ring and then they could click a button, go over to the website and find the policy fairly simply, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's not the magical experience that we deliver at Coterie, but it, it was good for its time. Get the job. And it, it was there that I... Mm -hmm. 
this insurance company idea kind of rounded itself out where I was like, well, what if, what if we do tap into these systems, but not just for the data, but also to make the whole conversion process a lot easier, right? Let's meet, let's meet people where they want to be met, whether that's at an agent or broker or through QuickBooks so that we can harness that data to make the entire conversion process easier and make the subsequent servicing of that policy, not only easier, but even more adequate where we could actually like track the revenues of the company and give people coverage that they actually need and not give it to them if they, they, if they don't need it. Yeah. And so that was the idea. I, I didn't know how to start an insurance company, uh, <laughs> but I had this idea. And thankfully around that time, someone reached out and was like, hey, do you want to start an insurance company? So I said, yes. Uh, and I, I ended up helping Kyle Nakasuchi start ClearCover. I was chief actuary, head of insurance product over there. Told him from the beginning, like, look, I want to start my own commercial insurance thing long-term. And he was thankfully super supportive, showed me everything that I uh, that I needed to, to watch out for. And that helped a lot in the founding of Coterie. Awesome. Awesome. So you had an idea and that idea of using the technology and using that, that data really came to you quite early on in your career. And you still look to develop yourself, de- develop your skills, learn about the industry before going ahead and, and setting up the company. That's right. There, there's always something to learn, right? Like actuarial science was hugely valuable. I, I joke that I'm a recovering actuary, but going through the exam process uh, and becoming a fellow just helped really broaden my perspective of the various challenges that we have in insurance and the things that you need to have figured out if you want to build something that's scalable. And then just working with other insurance companies, like being an actuarial consultant and talking to them and seeing their problems and the number of different ways that people have failed helped me be like, oh, I've I've seen that. I've I've done it. (laughs) I've made those mistakes. And now I can, you know, hopefully avoid some of them at least. That's awesome. So it's actually helping those other businesses actually helps you as well to develop your skills and see see what's out there, what's going wrong, what's working, what what isn't that fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you, David. Yeah, as we are, we're in the insurance coffee house. It's the morning for you there. It's the afternoon here on a Friday afternoon. I've certainly got a coffee next to me here. What's your go-to coffee of choice of the day, David? There's there's two parts of me. If, if I'm if I'm wanting to treat myself, so first off, I, I drink decaf. Uh, I have nothing against caffeine, honestly. I, I just if I drink cat caffeine, like right after I eat, I get dizzy. And so that sounds like a really weak reason to drink decaf, <laughs> but I do. So I'll usually, if I'm, if I'm going to do coffee, I'll either do just black coffee, dark roast generally, or I'll do, you know, if I'm being uh, treating myself, I'll do like a cappuccino with either regular whole milk or like almond milk or something like that, unsweetened almond milk. But generally, if I'm going to be in a coffee house drinking something, it's probably going to be like an herbal tea, like chamomile or something like that. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Nice to treat yourself every once in a while, though, David. Yeah. Right, David, thank you for that. If we can turn to the business now, to, to Coterie, would you mind giving our listeners a snapshot, a sort of an overview of where the business is at the moment, maybe some of the, the products that you have there and, and some of the markets that you're working in? For sure. So we, we consider consider ourselves an insurance manufacturer. And this is a little bit different than how people usually view themselves. So what we do is we manufacture the insurance. We put it together, we put the products together, put it on our technology. And then we work with the insurance distributors, right? Our distribution partners to sell those products. And the general vision of what we do is we bring speed, simplicity, and service to commercial insurance. Uh, We want to make this process super efficient to help our distribution partners 
unlock a massive market that honestly was just too inefficient for them to write beforehand. Yeah. And so we, we do this today with op, general liability, professional liability. We're launching workers' comp in the second half of this year. And we write a, a pretty broad set of classes. Again, the focus is on making it easy for the distribution partner. We don't really do anything D to C. Uh, we don't spend any money on D to C. If people really want to, they can come to our website and go through uh, getting a, a policy themselves. We generally push them to our partners and recommend that they go to our partners. We, you know, we know insurance is a complex buying experience, and we do have agents and producers on the phones who can help them. But generally, we we're here to empower our partners. Awesome. So you build out the products, and agencies or other other partnerships distribute them. In terms of the carrying the risk, do you guys carry the risk there or do you have insurance partners, insurance backers who carry the risk? Uh, both. So we have some insurance partners. We have both three carriers who support us on the back end, as well as reinsurers who support us. We have all A-rated, uh, ARA minus rated. They're yeah. fantastic partners. They give us the authority to do what we need to do. So we work with the regulators. We file the products. We do all that. And then we do take a portion of the risk. We have a captive that takes uh, takes a portion on our various programs, and that just aligns our incentives more and more with not just creating a product that's easy to use, but also one that's going to have uh, good performance in the future. Right. And you you mentioned some of those products earlier. How how have you gone about creating those products, and how have they evolved during your time there? Have have you created and uh, developed those those products? The so the products. Our core thing is like, we want to control the insurance product and the tech product. Mm. And a lot of times, like if, if you just control the insurance product, uh, you know, you can basically, you can do some stuff, but if you're not actually using technology and data to help create new types of insurance products that make it easier for people to buy, you're not, you're not really making the insurance space better. Maybe, maybe slightly here and there, but there's a limit to how much you can actually do. Simultaneously, if you don't control the insurance products and all you can do is control the tech, you can't really change the products, the, you know, the nice PDFs that people are buying, right? That, that's meant to transfer the volatility. Uh, that's what insurance is, right? It's transfer of risk, transfer of volatility. And so we do both. We control the insurance product and the tech. So we're not just APIing out to partners. Uh, you know, we're, not, we're not just reselling other people's products. And we're not built on Duck Creek or Socotra or Guidewire uh, or anything like that. We build our own stuff again so that we can bring in all this technology, all this data to make it not just amazing from a customer standpoint, but also amazing from an underwriting standpoint and a portfolio performance standpoint. So how this has evolved is like we started off really focused on kind of unique distribution channels, uh, getting people insurance who probably wouldn't have been able to get it otherwise, not mainly from like a just like laziness standpoint. Uh, and I think that's why 50% of the small commercial businesses are uninsured. It's mm. a lot of it is not that they're out of the class appetite. A lot of it is they don't care, right? It's not convenient. It's a disparate process, all that stuff. So we integrated with, with like a home services marketplace, uh, yeah. freelance marketplace where people could actually just get insurance with a click of a button. That was, that was our first partner. So we had to build for a very non-traditional distribution partner. Mm. And because we did that, because we went and built for non-traditional first, and then we fit it to traditional, it makes things a lot easier and a lot more dynamic to where we can 
we can pivot and move and meet the needs of our partners much more than if we just built for this narrow set of traditional and then tried to like broaden it out to do more mm. non-traditional mm. things. And so now if the, the product has evolved to where we're consuming over 3000 pieces of information and making underwriting decisions off of that, pre-filling stuff. Uh, we, we even have a, a product in a test market today that it's pretty incredible. I, I can't say too much about it, but it's going to really change how insurance is done. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing the release of that very shortly, David. That sounds very interesting. In terms of the key benefits then to the customers, to the agents that you partner with and some of your other distribution partners, what are some of the, the key benefits to them? The key benefits to our distribution partners is it, it helps them access a market that they weren't able to access before, right? Like, yeah, I think 50% of small commercial businesses are either uninsured, more likely, or, you know, underinsured. And it's just not worth the agent's time to go in and find these policies, right? Like they're spending hours on a policy that's, you know, maybe like 2000 bucks. So the agent may be getting $300, maybe for multiple hours of work. And it's the exact same amount of stuff that they have to do for a $20,000 or a $50,000 policy. So why in the world would they do it? But with Coterie, we can set them up to where, hey, we can find this policy in minutes, right? Like no time at all. Like, yeah. And and shoot, they can even send them links, uh, send links to that small business owner to where they can fill it out themselves. And then we also have policy recommendation tools to where it's like, oh, you're this type of business. You need this type of policy and these types of endorsements. And it's based on real data and industry experts who can not only help the small business feel comfortable with what's being bought, but also agents. Because it turns out like an agent who sells 70% personal lines, they don't know that much about commercial lines. And we and our industry experts can help them sell policies mm. to those small business owners to make them feel comfortable. So it's not just about sort of speed and efficiency, but actually giving peace of mind as well to those agents giving peace of mind to the, to the policy holders that they've got the appropriate policy that's that, that's going to cover them that's exactly right that's exactly right fantastic before i ask you this question actually david my next question has been about you scaling and growing where is the business at the moment uh, we most recently raised a 50 million dollar series b from weatherford capital uh, that happened at the end of october of 2021 they've been fantastic investors in general we i i think we're just probably one of the most fortunate startups out there. We have incredible investors who back us and they not only continue to show their support through yeah. their continued investment, but also their their time and dealing with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been a great journey so far. You say you've been fortunate. What about the challenges along the way? What, what's been the biggest challenge so far as you've as you've had this, you know, you've you've had this idea, you've worked on it for for several years before launching the company. The company's now going great guns, but what's been the the challenge during that time? There, there's a number of them. I mean, from the very beginning, you know, you, you come out, you have an idea of like changing how commercial insurance is done. And that, that has a lot of risk associated with it. And I remember when I was first getting going, I leaving ClearCover and moving from Chicago to Cincinnati. And my, my wife, so we have two kids. Uh, we had two kids at the time and my wife was in her third trimester, which if you really want to become popular with your wife, tell her that you're changing cities in her third trimester, as well as leaving a good job to do, you know, begging people for money. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she graciously supported me and all that. But the original kind of group of people who were interested in investing 
they they love the idea, love love my background and space and expertise, but they were like, look, just just sell other people's products. Don't don't try and do this like change in insurance. Yeah, just create a digital broker. Mm-hmm. And while like that's a great business model, there are, there are plenty of great business models for you know digital brokerage and stuff like that. It it wasn't what my heart was in. Like I wanted to actually create something to help the digital brokers unlock this market and help people. And they they backed out the week before I left Chicago. So I had had that conversation with my wife. Like, hey, <laughs> remember all those plans? Yeah, well, but we still moved and, you know, figured that out, continued to pitch people, uh, recruited a team without having any money whatsoever and just told them, I, I will pay you. I, I promise. <laughs> and thankfully they were patient and continued to build every day. Like worked hard, built, and we... We ended up getting a term sheet on August 20th, and the very next day, my third son was born. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. My third child, my second son was born. You know, it's it's been, it hasn't been easy ever since, right? It never gets easier. The stakes just get higher. I think that's the, the common saying. We went through kind of the normal thing of a lot of mm. startups where you don't really have traction in the beginning mm. whatsoever. It's hard to bang your head against the wall. And then kind of figure out like, oh, this is this is where the product market fit is. And it, it starts going well and up and to the right. And then it's a little bit easier to raise money at those points. And and now, I mean, now the insure tech market's kind of in a trough. So <laughs> I, I'm sure you know, more hard times are ahead. Yeah, well, let's not hope for too many, but it, it sounds oh. like it must have been a really difficult time for you that period with those backers pulling out. And I imagine with everything going on, in your life in your in your personal life as well could have been the easy option you know to create that digital broker that could have been the easy way out how, how did you go about sort of dealing with that is that something that you just thought right i've got this vision and i'm going to stick to it i know i know it's going to work was there any doubt there at the time that's a good question i had a number of people uh, i think question my sanity not just with with that but like leaving clear cover in general i mean that, mm. it was a rocket ship and i was mm. you know had a really good position there what one person even said, like, you should talk to like a financial planner or someone. <laughs> I was like, you don't, you don't get it, right? Like when you have a vision of something mm-hmm. that you truly believe in, call it foolish narcissism, call it arrogance. I, I don't know. It's probably not bravery. <laughs> There's some kind of delusion that goes on in your head, but you're like, oh, I, I, I can do sense. Yeah. 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 And uh, I think it was part of that, but part of it was just, I, I knew that even if I started this and failed, that that cost of education is worth it, right? Like our whole lives, like our, our life isn't just like a success story, right? Success stories are just a bunch of incremental failures, mm-hmm. right? Like even Coterie, what we are today, like we're doing really well from a metric standpoint, right? People would say that's success, but like every day it's tons of little failures that mm-hmm. we learn from and iterate on. Mm-hmm. And if, if I'm not pushing myself in the same way, being willing to accept failure, then what am I doing? Right? Like I'm just fooling myself into thinking that I'm growing, but I'm not. No, it's brilliant. That's such a great perspective to have, David. I think that's really inspiring actually for, for our listeners. We're now at the, the espresso round now where our listeners will know that the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So I know you like your fruit tea and your and your and your decaf coffee, but are you ready for the espresso round now? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's hope you don't feel faint or <laughs> sick afterwards. <laughs> the espresso round. David, how many people are you looking to grow the business by in the next 12 months? 12 months. Question. 
Let's go with let's go with forty. It's probably more than that, but I'm being conservative. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you are. And what other cultural values that you're building there as you're looking to scale and you're growing quickly? What are the cultural values that you're building alongside that? So we we hire on five things. 20% of it is skill. So we have a need and you have to have a superpower to meet that need. The other 80% are our four core values, integrity, intelligence, humility, and passion. And the one sentence way that we say it is we're smart, energetic people who do the right thing and we don't brag about it. And this is, uh, I mean, if you meet other Cotarians, that's what we call ourselves. <laughs> we're, we're just that. Like, we're energetic people. We love doing what we're doing. Uh, but we're going to do the right thing, and, and we're going to put others ahead of ourselves. Awesome. Awesome. And how do you maintain those values, like I said, when you are growing quickly? And you've also had to deal with, you know, other external factors like the pandemic, remote working as well. Yeah. Uh, three things. Hire, fire, and foster. Uh, so we hire on it, right? We extensively go through the interview process and we we test people's uh, passion for wanting to work here <laughs> every every single one of our hires has a take-home project uh, and this this means like people are going to put in a lot of time and it their passion and intelligence comes out and, and some people like ran rave it's like how dare you give me like that, that's fine <laughs> this this self-selects in some respect right and so those take-home projects are great. And you know, of course, we evaluate in general. We, we take a lot from Amazon's bar raiser process as mm -hmm. well in the interview process. The second thing is firing, right? We are big about firing on our core values, right? If you are not meeting uh, integrity, intelligence, humility, passion, uh, and have clear things going clearly the opposite way, then we, we terminate that relationship. Skill, uh, you know, the skill portion of it, which is 20%. We, we think that can be approved upon, right? Like, well, mm -hmm. you know, PIPs and all that kind of stuff. We want, if we put someone on PIP, it's because we want them here at Codely, mm -hmm. right? And that's mm -hmm. usually something skill-related. We will help you get better. But if you're going to actively go against the core values of the company, that's that's not something that we're, we're going to tolerate. And then lastly, foster. We have ceremonies, all kinds of fun stuff. Every every Friday, we have Friday wins, uh, 4 o'clock Eastern. It starts off with dad jokes. Well, sorry, it starts off with a one-minute dance party, then dad jokes, and then whomever wants to can highlight other people at the company and be like, hey, big shout out to you know John or Kevin or Jake or whomever for helping me with X, Y, and Z. And it's, it's just a nice time to get together, build some camaraderie, and highlight your, your fellow Cotarians for the work that they're putting in. And do you do that in the office or is that done online on Zoom? It's, it's both. So the people who are at the office, you know, we'll, we'll jump into a meeting room together and we'll, mm. you know, I'll drink tequila. I'm, I'm a big tequila fan. <laughs> you know, you can have whatever you want. And then we have, you know, 130 plus people who uh, attend via Teams or teleconference or whatever. Yeah, so it, yeah. it's pretty funny. Awesome. That sounds great. And on that note, with remote working, how do you... How do you balance like each team member's need for a certain amount of face-to-face -face time? You know, clearly some people need more help with their skills and Im improvement than others who may may want to, you know, get their head down and, and crack on with things at home. How do, how do you find that balance? So we, so this goes into the fostering side of it. So yeah. wins is one part of it. The other is our one-on-ones, core coaching, as well as just other events that we have. So I'll touch on one-on-ones and core coaching. So every manager is expected to have one-on-ones with their direct reports every single week, right? We want to have that time to where people can open up, talk about you know what's going on at work, uh, but also help them with, with other things in their life. Mm -hmm. Core coaching is the main venue for the other things, more broad things. And it's specifically 
getting at like, hey, what do you want to do as a person? Not just not just here at Code, right? Like, but what what are your goals as a human being? Like, do you want to be a better dad, right? Do you want to be a better mom? Do you want to do you want to complete a marathon? Do you want to one day be the CEO of your own startup? And I can help you. So each manager has their core coaching with their direct reports. And so what I do is as a as a leader of this individual, I'm like, okay, well, if, if this is what your goal is, here's some ways that I can help you, right? And we track progress with that. Like, all right, uh, if let's say your goal is to be the CEO of a venture back startup one day, it's like, okay, well, come to some pitch meetings with me, right? You know, look, let's let's consider these types of things. Build out a pro forma, right? Like if you have an idea, build out a pro forma. Just we'll do some extracurricular, right? Like some extra work activities to help you develop those skills so that you can focus on completing your goals. So it reminds me back to what you're saying about your own personal career, where you started learning and developing before you started your business there as well. So, so paying that forward is, is, is fantastic. I know you had a very strong career in as an actuary. What value can a high-performing insurance career bring to a, a fast-paced, tech-enabled company like Coterie? What value can someone from the insurance industry bring to your organization? Uh, a ton. Uh, so, But I, I think that... The key thing is, is like, you've got to be willing to shed some of the heuristics that you may have been using in your prior life, right? Oftentimes, I'll back that up. So insurance people have amazing knowledge of the space, right? They, they know how to, how to file, they know rates, forms, all kinds of stuff that, that's immensely valuable. They know how, a lot of them know how to build programs, but not many. And more so, people know how to run programs. And, and that's good, but sometimes we need what's called a, a seamstress instead of a supermodel. And what this is, is most of the insurance space has these people who are supermodels. They know how to come in, put on something, and make it look good, right? Like these are the people who, you know, they inherit a book and they will just, they will, they will crush it. They will. It started off as a as 104. They're going to bring that down to a 92% combined ratio. And that's that's great, right? Like, but a supermodel isn't a seamstress. And a seamstress is going to actually, they're going to sew up you know, that outfit. They're, they're going to, they're going to put things together. They're going to create something new that hasn't necessarily been, been worn before. And a lot of times, like supermodels think that they can be seamstresses. And at Coterie, we're building something new. And sometimes we bring in people from the insurance world like, oh no, no, no. I can be a seamstress. Look at look at how I've done with all these combined ratios and increase for like that's great, but you've never actually built a program from scratch. You don't know the hard, intricate work that goes into all this stuff. And so I, I caution people, and now, now we have it very specifically, like when we look for people, like are we looking for a seamstress or are we looking for a supermodel? And sometimes we are looking for supermodels. As Coterie continues to grow, we'll probably need more and more supermodels, right? But right now, more so it's it's seamstresses who are looking to actually build something new mm. that's so interesting that's so interesting so yeah presumably when you're when you're looking to bring people in potentially people who have been either other insure techs or they've been involved in building out new products or new policies within insurance carriers those are the people who are who are of more interest to you rather than someone who's looked after a, a large corporate account and has, and has developed that and grown that maybe by, you know, millions, maybe by billions. That's not the core thing that you're, you're actually looking for there as business. That, that's right. That's exactly yeah. right. 
Yeah. Awesome. David, f- a final question in the espresso round. Are there are any founders out there listening now who are at that stage now that they think they're ready to scale their insurtech business. What are some of the core infrastructure or core foundations really do you think need to be in place in order to achieve that scale? First off, core values. Know, knowing how you want to work with your team is, is vital for scalability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and keeping something like pithy, simple marketing language that people can grasp onto and mm-hmm. see in the leadership is, is key. And if you're not willing to actually demonstrate it, then you, you should not pick those values, right? Like that, that doesn't make me. Um, so from a, from a foundational perspective, you've got to have your core values and like, this is how we're going to work together. Secondly, vision, uh, give people the vision of where you're going. So basically it's like, uh, where are we going and how are we going to get there? And by how, I mean, like from a core values perspective. And so if you provide that to people, then I, I think you have a really good chance of scalability. Now, then there's more tactical stuff, right? Like, and it depends on the insure tech. So like from an MGA perspective, right? You, you've got to build tech that's going to help you manage policies, right? Like, and the data underlying it, the data structure specifically, that's got to be right. Now you can go with off the shelf stuff, with Socotra Guidewire, Duck Creek, whatever. And th- those may be right for the type of business that you want to build. It's not right for us because we have tons of different crazy distribution partners and we're doing very unique things in the space. But for others, it, it may work and it may help you scale to, uh, to a reasonable place. You're going to get some of the same problems that everyone else gets. But if you're willing to do that, then go ahead. But I'd say, those, you know, have strong vision, have core values, and spend a lot of time on the data model. I would say over-invest in that so that you can uh, benefit in the long term. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. That That's fantastic. David, we are almost at the end of our time today in the insurance coffee house. Time has certainly flown by. Before we go there, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners? And how would anyone reach out to you after the show? Yeah. So piece of advice, I'll go with that first. Do first order negative, second order positive. And what this means is uh, a lot of times like people will do things that are first order positive, make us happy, second order negative, right? Like great example of this is like buying on credit, right? <laughs> you go out, you spend a bunch of money, you're like, oh, this feels great. I get all these clothes yeah. and, the, and then the bill comes, right? A month later, right? Uh, heroin is another example, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> heroin, but you know, again, drugs in general, like that kind of stuff. And we know, right? Like we intrinsically know that there's tons of things that like, oh, initially it's really good, but then, you know, it doesn't pay off long-term. I think the most beneficial things are those things that are first order negative, Mm -hmm. second order positive, right? Like eating healthy, going to the gym, Mm -hmm. having children, right? Like goodness gracious, I have four kids now. And I will tell you, they are like first order negative, like for years, right? (laughs) But hopefully I'm told, right? They they get a lot better. They do. My oldest are eight and six right now. And it's... It's way better than those toddler years. And those are the types of things that like are going to have the long-term impacts mm-hmm. on life, mm-hmm. not just mm-hmm. because you reap the benefits of the, the second order positive, mm-hmm. but because you did the hard thing and made an yeah. investment, right? And yeah. then go ahead. I was just going to say that investment piece is so interesting. I know so many stories of people when they when they purchase cars, if they save up for two years until they're in a, in a position to be able to afford that, 
car they've they've always been looking forward always imagining what it's going to be like to have that car and when it when it's paid it's a fantastic feeling rather than the other way around you know taking out that credit card you have that instant hit of getting the car and then every time you drive it you just realize how much money you've got to pay off on it and it's it's a it's a long-term negative or a short-term positive which is yeah completely the wrong way around so yeah it, that's so applicable to to business and to life in general that's a great example as far as people get in touch with me, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, definitely come to CoterieInsurance.com if you want to look at you know being a partner or whatever. Uh, but yeah, feel free to reach out, David McFarland on LinkedIn. David, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. We'll we'll be sure to post those details on our on our show notes so people can just click straight through there. David, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great to find out more about about you and your career, but also about the great work you're doing at Coterie. It's a really interesting company and doing some great things. So thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Nick. It was great to be here. Thank you very much. And to all the InsureTech leaders and insurance executives listening today, wherever you're listening around the world, we thank you for joining us. I'm sure you would have gained a lot of great insights and learnings from David today. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or I'd like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.